you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. So um, the maddest, this is little confession time, uh, the most angry I've ever been that I can remember in my life happened in a beautiful place just like that. Uh, you wouldn't think that you could have those kinds of emotions when facing a, a beautiful uh, lake like that, but it happened to me uh, when I was a camp counselor um, for a summer. It was the summer of 2006, and I was standing on a dock just like that on Cedar Lake uh, at a summer camp in central Minnesota, and I, I remember it vividly. Um, and I'm uh, about 20 seconds away as I stand on this dock, leaning over the edge from being the most frustrating I've ever been in my entire life uh, at a child. Though I'm sure Foster will break the record someday. <laughs> and, and I like to think of myself as pretty good at keeping my cool. Um, it's one of, my, one of my strengths. Don't push me because you never know. But um, uh, I can only count on one hand the number of times that I've really been frustrated and, and showed it uh, to somebody. But I'm standing on the dock and I'm leaning over the edge to look at the water. And it turns out I was the perfect target um, for one of the sweetest uh, eight-year-old boys that we had at camp all summer uh, who was standing there with me on the dock. Um, because in that moment, he did what many have thought to do, uh, but few have actually done. Uh, with a gentle push, <laughs> he sent me falling into the lake. And I did that thing, you know, where you're, you're flailing your arms and you just can't stop yourself. And he is just laughing and going nuts. And I, I splash in the water and I can just feel myself uh, getting hot. <laughs> I can feel myself about to blow up at this poor, hilarious child in hindsight. <laughs> and so I pulled myself out of the water, and I looked at this student, and I said, you need to talk to your counselor. <laughs> and I stormed off uh, back up to my cabin. Uh, and I was, I was so, I could just feel the anger. I knew I had to leave right away, and so I did. It was a wise choice, otherwise I might not have finished the summer at camp. Um, but... If you've ever overreacted like that before to something that probably isn't that big of a deal on the face, you know uh, that there's a good sign there's maybe something going on underneath the surface of that moment. And that was true for me because what uh, that uh, little eight-year-old boy didn't know and what uh, the camp didn't know um, was that I was, I was dating this girl. Um, and you know her, uh, so it doesn't have to be weird. It was Aaron at the time. Um, <laughs> even weirder if you knew her and it wasn't Aaron. Um, <laughs> But because I was dating this girl, we'd only been dating a little while before I was dating Aaron, I was uh, sneaking my cell phone with me during the day. Um, one of the rules of camp as counselors was you weren't supposed to have your phone with you because presumably somebody could push you in the lake and ruin your phone and you'd yell at a camper. Um, but I was breaking that rule uh, because I wanted to be distracted. You know, they, they said, keep your phones off and in your bag. I don't ever want to see him, uh, but I was, I was breaking that rule because I was looking for something to pull myself out of camp. Um, and in this case, it was uh, my wonderful, super cool girlfriend that I wanted to talk to more. Um, and I overreacted. I was so mad because when I hit the water, um, and this was literally the first thought that went through my head was, 
oh no, that thing that I've been using to kind of escape camp for a few minutes every day to talk to my, my awesome girlfriend, that thing I was using to distract myself um, to avoid being in the moment, um, to take my focus off the here and now was gone. And of course, because it was the age of cell phones, I didn't even know what her phone number was, so I was in real trouble. <laughs> it closed off that little escape route for me. I knew that I'd be stuck in the here and now, and, and, I, and I blew up. And, and I'm not proud of it, and I remember it so vividly because it was such a uh, shocking experience to me. Um, because I didn't care that my phone was creating a wall between me and the campers, that I was ignoring campers. I, I didn't care that my phone was uh, stopping me from connecting with other staff and counselors. I didn't care what I was missing. Uh, but looking back, I'm sure I missed a lot. Uh, and I think I'm not the only one that has a hard time um, being in the place that I currently am, being present in a moment or in a place. Uh, I'm not the only one that reacts this way when somebody takes away that little escape valve we have with us. Um, if you've ever tried to take a tablet or a phone away from a toddler, like you know what rage looks like, right? Uh, nobody likes that. And, and I don't think there's anything that makes us more frustrated than somebody taking away that little escape when we're trying to get out of a moment. And, and if, we're, uh, if we're honest, if somebody stepped in the way of our escape, we feel the same way too. And, and maybe, and, and many of you guys are not phone people, and that's awesome. You know, you're not, you're not waiting in line at, at you know, wherever and, and getting up on your phone and, and paying attention to something else. But I think we all are pretty bad at being in the moment. I think we all look for little escape hatches from uncomfortable situations and difficult times or even uh, annoying conversations. Um, you know, sometimes we will look for just the slightest, um, you know, the slightest amount of discomfort will send us looking for a kind of a, a little distraction. You know, maybe somebody's talking to you and it goes on just a little bit too long and you start thinking about that grocery list, right? You're still physically there, but you've left the room. Um, sometimes it's, it's boredom or painful situations or, or difficult circumstances, but one of the things that I think is true about a lot of people is that when trouble comes, when frustration comes, when pain comes, when boredom comes, we want to leave that situation, even if it's just up here. And, and we do it all throughout our lives, um, right? Uh, when we're waiting in line somewhere, we bring our books so we can be somewhere else while being here. We do it uh, with our hours. You know, we sit uh, burning hours in front of the TV or the newspaper or the phone, distracting ourselves from things that are bothering us. Um, you'd be shocked if you are a phone person at how much time you can spend scrolling through Facebook and scrolling through Facebook, and next thing you know, uh, hours have gone by. We spend hours getting lost, um, either hoping and dreaming and imagining some uh, new future or afraid of some new future or uh, uh, living in nostalgia of the past. You know, we do it during our weeks. You know, we work uh, during the week for the weekend. We just try and get our hours in and keep our head down. And sometimes we even do it for whole seasons of our lives. Uh, you know, we say, I, I can't wait for, for you to sleep through the night. I can't wait till I'm done with this job. I can't wait till this part of my life is over, till things settle down at work, till my life settles down, the holiday season ends, till summer comes, whatever. And one day, I think the sad thing is, is that we wake up and we wonder what happened to our lives. How did I miss that? How did I appreciate that awesome moment? 
Who did I live behind because I leave behind because I spent my life living in the future or the past? What did I miss while worrying about tomorrow, while regretting my past, or while looking at a screen? What did I miss while I was trying to avoid the uncomfortable present? Well, our scripture today in, in Jeremiah 29 is about a group of people who are in the middle of a profoundly uncomfortable present reality. Uh, they are in a place that they don't want to be, a people that just face tremendous loss, uh, looking for hope and future, but, but longing for the good old days in their past, a group of people who want to be anywhere but where they are on that day. And, and like all of us, when we're faced with situations like that, they're faced with a choice. And so in the, in the book of Jeremiah, their, their choice kind of looks like this. Just a, a little background, Jeremiah is a prophet, and biblical prophets have, have a job. Their job is to uh, stand between God and other human beings and, and send a message to people about how they're living their lives then, um, to encourage them to make a change, to tell them what's coming, sometimes to give them hope, but often to give them warning about what's happening in their lives. So, so that's Jeremiah's job, and he spent uh, the last years of his life warning his friends and neighbors that trouble is coming, uh, and, and trouble came. Uh, so that's where we're at. What's happened is uh, the Babylonians, a great empire at the time, has come into the land of Israel to Jeremiah's home, and he's captured a bunch of people and brought them off into exile. And so this is um, that group of people. They're far away from home. They miss the good old days of being in, in their homes, and they don't know what's going to happen next. And, and in this moment in Jeremiah uh, 28, just before uh, Jeremiah 29, uh, we have two different people who are trying to give a message from God uh, to God's people. Uh, one is named Hananiah, and the other is named Jeremiah. And we record both prophecies. And, and here they are. So we have these two uh, messages. Hananiah says this. He says, okay, you guys are here in a place you don't want to be. Some bad things have happened, but, uh, and he says, this is my message from God. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. The guy that brought you here, who's uh, oppressing you, I'm going to cast him away. Uh, and he says, within two years, I'll bring back to this place, he's talking about Jerusalem, uh, all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. He says, uh, your time here in Babylon is a, is a short time. You're only going to be here a little bit. Don't worry, guys. Just hold on to hope. Grip a little tighter. Keep your head down. If you can make it through two years, your whole life, everything's going to go back to normal. Right? That's a, that's a great message, a, a good thing. That's what they want to hear for sure. And the implications are obvious, right? If you believe Hananiah, what you should do is, is just that, right? Keep your head down. Don't make trouble. Uh, be really careful. Avoid the Babylonians and hope that in two years, uh, God's going to come save you and wipe the, the slate clean and make everything back to normal. Uh, but Jeremiah um, apparently doesn't care um, how popular he is because this is the message that he receives from the Lord. This is the message that he says. He says, uh, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I'll come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, if you just got ripped out of your home and planted in a foreign land full of foreign people, um, and you had two people, one said, don't worry, in two years you get to go home, and the other said, actually, you'll never see your home again. Who do you want to believe, <laughs> right? 
Hananiah has a much more attractive message. Jeremiah says, uh, you'll never go home, but your grandkids will, and God hasn't forgotten about you. Uh, two very, very different messages, and they have two different implications, right? For the two years, anybody can last two years. Jeremiah says, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. You can't go back. It's not going to be the same. The attractive lie um, versus the disturbing truth. And the, the story of Jeremiah shows that Jeremiah uh, turns out to be correct. Hananiah um, was a, a false prophet. He was telling people what they wanted to hear. Uh, but in the middle of this hard truth, Jeremiah does uh, give them something to hold on to. Um, and, and this is it. He, he says this. In Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7, he says, I know it's going to be 70 years. This is what you need to do during that time. Don't wait. Don't just think about that day coming. Uh, Live your life. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, plant gardens, and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters and give, them in, and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters increase in number and do not decrease. And then he gets really radical. He says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Jeremiah says, you're going to be here a long time. So don't withdraw. Don't despair. Uh, Don't even fight your captors and try and make their lives miserable. Uh, Don't even oppose your enemies, he says. Uh, Even though these people have ruined your lives, I want you to pray for them. I don't want you to hold up and wait for help. I don't want you to rest in the nostalgia of the good old days. Uh, I don't want you to think like victims. Jeremiah, speaking for the Lord, says, build houses, settle down, get married, don't live in the past. Don't distract yourselves waiting for a better future. In other words, let go of yesterday, trust God with tomorrow, and live today. Because there will always be reasons to be dissatisfied with your life. And no group of people had more reasons to be dissatisfied with their current moment and their current place and time than the Israelites who had just been captured and ripped out of their homes and placed in a foreign land. There will always be reasons to be dissatisfied. There will always be mistakes that you wish you could undo. There will always be good old days you wish you could go back to. And there will always be uncertainty and fear about tomorrow. But Jeremiah says, and God through Jeremiah says, that God is bigger than that. There will always be ways to be faithful today. Jeremiah says, live today. Pray for people. Do your best. Do what you can where you are. And, and they actually did. Um, they did. They had kids, and they got married, and they planted gardens, and they prayed for their neighbors, even though their neighbors uh, put them in this difficult spot. And years went by, and years went by, and after 70 years, their children, some of them, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, actually did get to come back to the land. God really hadn't forgot about them. And had they held on for two years, had they white-knuckled it and believed Hananiah's prophecy, and said, well, I'll wait till we get home before I get married. I'll, I'll wait till I get home before I start my life. I'll wait till I get home before I start uh, trying to see what God has for me. They would have all uh, died in that land with nothing. Uh, one day they returned, and 
and it wasn't all rosy. It wasn't all perfect. Uh, they still needed to live like this. They still needed to live in the uncomfortable reality of today. Uh, and many years went by. Eventually, Jesus came. And if you've read the story of Jesus, you know that he lived like this. Uh, he lived in the daily moments. He lived his life in ministry, knowing that it would end in pain in the cross. But he still took time to follow God in the places that God put him every day. Uh, he told stories of bad financial managers who uh, were afraid of losing money, so they buried uh, their money in the ground. He, he called people not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow's trouble will take care of itself. Jesus' life um, brings Jeremiah's promise and hope to its fulfillment. Uh, when Jesus came and lived and died and rose again, his death on the cross, it, it sets us free from the mistakes and the pains and the burdens of yesterday. His resurrection from the dead, it sets us free from the fear about tomorrow. We can put our hope in knowing that God has us no matter what happens today or tomorrow. His death on the cross, right, set us free from sin. When he ascended into heaven, Jesus called those who would follow him disciples, and he asked them to live new lives as faithful followers in the moment. And to this day, that's what it means to follow Jesus. That's a big part of what it means to follow Jesus, a radical commitment to living where we are and to following God with the things that he gives us today. Living where we are in light of the forgiveness behind us and the hope of the future but being faithful to what God has for us today. Uh, so I think as Christians, as disciples, we're called to reclaim today. And I skipped some of my, my slides here, but... And I just, I thought of two challenges that I've been trying this week uh, for me to reclaim my days. Uh, because I don't know about you, but I am easily distracted. Um, normally when I wake up in the morning to wake myself up after... How I wake up now is Foster comes right next to my bed and says, Dad, I have to go potty. Um, it is not the most comfortable way to wake up in the morning. Um, and normally what I do is I say, okay, go potty. And what do I grab first? I reach up and I grab my phone and I start scrolling Facebook to, to wake up. And so I've been trying two different things to help me live more in the present. And maybe they'll look different for you, um, but maybe uh, they're worth thinking about. First is I, I've been trying to, I, I call it winning the day before my feet hit the floor. Uh, and when I wake up, when Foster whispers, Dad, I have to go potty, um, instead of pulling up my phone, instead of worrying about what my schedule is, instead of looking at my to-do list, um, I actually try to, before I do anything else, uh, open up my, my Bible. Um, and I've been trying this since I, I wrote this, so for like the last like three days, and I've almost done it one of the last three days. So it's not easy. <laughs> But I encourage you to give it a try. And if you're not a phone person, I'm sure there's something else that you do first in your day that maybe uh, puts you in the future. Before you do anything else, before your feet hit the floor, open your Bible and read, just read a psalm. Just open to the middle, find a psalm and read something. Um, not to get some amazing truth, not to um, do anything special, but just to try and maybe start your day uh, in the knowledge that God is holding on to you. And that maybe he has something for you. So open your Bible. And one other thing that I've been trying to do is to pray for at least one other person. Uh, anybody, just Lord, um, be with this person and help me to be present today. Uh, and so then I go through my day. So that's what I've been trying to do. Like I said, I've almost successfully done it once, but man, that phone. Whew. 
Um, and the other thing is, is winning the hour. For me, when I find myself getting distracted, when I find myself worrying about tomorrow, when I find the anxiety or whatever creeping up, uh, I try to do this to get back in the moment. Um, I put the distraction down. Uh, if it's a nostalgia that I'm just living in, if it's some fear or worry, or even if it's some exciting thing, I, I put it down and I say, God, what do you have for me right now? Just pray, God, what do you have for me right now? And then look uh, for something to do for somebody else. And then I, I say thank you, and I try and re-engage again with the present moment. Uh, just two things. One, before my feet hit the floor, before your feet hit the floor, win the day by starting uh, in the knowledge that God has you, he's forgiven you, and he has something for you today. And win the hour by coming back to what maybe God has for you in that moment. Because discipleship, uh, life only ever happens today, and there are always going to be reasons to not live in the moment. There are always going to be things that bring our focus into the future or yesterday. But today is where we uh, follow God. They're given parts of life, and the question is, the question is, will we trust God with our tomorrows? Will we accept his grace for our yesterdays and will we follow him faithfully with our todays? Because God has something for us today. He has something for us today. There's a person he has for us to care for today. There's a task he has us to complete today. There's a work that he wants us to do today. And maybe it's just doing a good job and smiling at your coworker, but God has something for us today. And if we spend our lives in the past or in the future, we miss it. So let's pray together. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.